thanks for listening to an Out of the Pan summer special for the summer of 2019-2020. Out of the Pan is taking a break from the 29th of December 2019 to the 3rd of February 2020. For five of those six weeks, you'll enjoy some of the great shows from Out of the Pan for 2019. And, of course, on the 26th of January, the airwaves will rightfully belong to our First Nations broadcasters. I'll be back with you on the 10th of February. Have a safe and happy summer to all the 3CR listeners, and thanks for supporting 3CR and Out of the Pan. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three CR dot org dot au, three CR on demand. Lots of ways to listen to three CR, and in particular, this show, Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Three CR proudly acknowledges that we are on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. I'm your host for the hour, Sally Goldner. I use female pronouns: she, her. If you want to get in touch with the show, there's lots of all the um, high-tech modern means of communication, or in my case, at least up to about 2014. We've still got email, out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS um, 61456751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold Said So, and that's the bottom line. And look for the posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner, and the Out of the Pan page. Well, um, we opened up today with Backman Turner Overdrive taking care of business and someone who does lots of good work in lots of ways is my guest in the studio. And on a very important day, welcome Jane Green. Thanks for having me, Sally. And can I just double check which pronouns you use, if any? Uh, They there. They there. And... How come the 2nd of June is such an important day for you? Well, I'll say personally and professionally might be a way to put it. Yes, absolutely, personally and professionally. Uh, The 2nd of June is International Sex Worker Rights Day, or for people who are sex workers, International Whores Day. Um, And it comes from um, a a protest held in 1975. I'm going from memory here. Um, From French sex workers who actually occupied a church in a place called St. Nizia in France to protest actions by police which were detrimental to their community and lack of actions by police as well Mm. to take um, action against crimes committed against sex workers Um, and it's seen by our community as really the birth of the modern sex worker rights movement. Fair enough and so yes it's sort of yeah well there's a topic we may need to cover um, you know in terms of police but it seems like there's a lot of um, a lack of appropriate action and too much inappropriate action, regardless of who's committing it against um, sex workers. Yeah, look, and, and it, it's often the case today that we still have a lot of the same issues. Um, so I think it's very relevant for us here in Victoria. 
um, particularly with the laws we work under to this day. Yeah, well, you've um, you know, sort of gone right to the number of things. Um, you know, there's eight um, state and states and territories, each with varying regimes around the country, and um, some sometimes it's better for for sex workers, and sometimes it isn't. Yeah, and, and I think, look, for me, coming from um, from New Zealand, for people that can't pick my accent, um, to Australia, um, just the complexity of the situation where every state and territory has different laws um, and sex workers um, move between states and territories to work. And certainly since I've been in Australia, um, and I'm, I think I'm going on my 23rd year of being in this country, I've worked across every state and territory since I've been here. Um, everywhere you go, it's different. And just that fact alone makes it incredibly mm. hard, I think, for members of our community. In Victoria alone, there's more than 250 pages of, of laws and regulations relating to our work. Um, just that fact, um, how can you be expected to have your head across all that? And if you don't, and trust me, even as someone who's an advocate for our community, I don't have all 250 pages I'd memorise. No. The fact that you're not aware of all the laws and regulations means you can be in breach of them. And, of course, that complexity and, well, we'll say length of them probably means someone who wanted to sadly have a shot at a sex worker or a set group of sex workers probably could twist them around a bit as well. Um, if they probably have, they probably haven't, many of them probably haven't, say, been fully explained in a court case or something if it came to that. Well, I, I think one of the things that's important for people to understand is I think for a layperson, for someone outside our community, mm. I think the assumption would be that those laws and regulations are there to protect us, that they might be there to make us safer, where in fact that's not the case at all. When the, um, the licensing system, which is the system that regulates our work, was put into place in Victoria, there was an inquiry held beforehand to work out what would be best. And that inquiry actually determined that it would be best to decriminalise our work, so to treat our work like any other work, which mm -hmm. seems sensible to treat us like everyone else. And what the government then went ahead and did after the inquiry came back with that answer as to what they should do was to go and do the bloody opposite, um, as government often does in their obstinate way. <laughs> and so we ended up with the licensing system instead. And although it states that it's there to make us safer, um, what it actually does is it complicates our lives. It treats us as criminals when we've done nothing wrong. Um, and the provisions that it puts in place actually have been shown through community experience and through research to make us demonstrably unsafe. Mm. Yeah, so totally, totally the opposite. Uh, gee, wouldn't it be good if people live, you know, when there was an issue in question, people listened to the people with the lived expertise? You know, oh, hang on, that would be logical, wouldn't it, right? Yeah. Yeah, we sort of hold out hope for logic. I think a lot of marginalised communities and yes. marginalised people have that hope that, you know, listening to the people actually affected would seem a very reasonable thing and you might hope that it would happen, but government often fall down at the first hurdle with that. Yeah, and there's other powerful interests and illogicality comes into it. Um, so, yeah, lots to um, lots in there. What would, if, you know, if... Um, say Vixen Collective, groups like Scarlet Alliance were the benign dictators of sex work in the country, apart from having one stand, you know, set of standardised laws rather than eight or something, what would it, that, that standardised set of laws look like from your point of view? Let's just make people may not understand what it, what, what it needs to look like. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of people now are used to hearing from our community that we need the full decriminalisation of our work. Yep. And it's important for people to understand that's a first step, but it's not 
all that we need. Um, and it's not like that's a magic solution to all of our problems. But what that means is the removal of criminal laws that apply to our work so that our work's regulated like everyone else. But there's a lot beyond that. So we need anti-discrimination protections. Yeah. Um, so that because there is obviously massive stigma attached to our work and discrimination that comes with that. Um, we need um, protections for migrants um, and that needs to go beyond our community, not just migrant sex workers, but I think there are really massive issues in terms of migration that Australia needs to address as a whole. Yeah. Um, I think there's work that needs to be done in terms of racism um, and, again, that affects our community but affects Australia as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. And we certainly see that in terms of racialised policing that affects mm. uh, migrants and people of colour in our community. Um, there are issues in terms of the intersection of the LGBTIQA community and our community. And for people that aren't aware, it's about 71% of our community are LGBTIQA+. And so, and we have intersections with other marginalised communities as well. And so it's not as simple as just fixing the issues that impact us as sex workers. It's about holding solidarity with other marginalised communities, including communities such as people um, with issues relating to mental health and drug users um, and people experiencing marginalisation relating to homelessness and a range of other issues. And if we're not working to solve those issues together with those communities, then we're not solving the issues for our community. And as well as having solidarity with those communities, we also have to have solidarity within our community. And what I mean by that is we often talk as sex workers about wanting to be listened to, um, to be spoken to rather than spoken about. Yep. It's a very important principle for our community that we do the same within community that we ask of other people outside our community. So when we're talking about issues, say, for example, that affect street-based sex workers, the voices that we need to be listening to and giving space to speak on those issues within our community are those affected. So they are the voices of street-based sex workers and particularly current street-based sex workers. So I was a street-based sex worker when I started out in sex work, but that was more than 20 years ago, and my voice in that space just isn't relevant or certainly isn't as relevant as the people doing that work now. So those principles are very important to us as a community, and we need to constantly remind ourselves of those and hold ourselves accountable to them. Well, I could just say here, here, and then also say... Yes, can we make sure those principles are, um, well, tra- you know, they're just good principles, as you say, for any community to consider that people are multifaceted, that is, a, we'll say, a quilt of issues. You can't just look at one square of the quilt in isolation and, yeah, who speaks for whom and, yeah, the, you know, what's, um, what's happening at the grassroots yeah. is really, really critical. Um And look, one thing that I think can't be left out of any conversation of this type is the issues facing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people Mm. um, and First Nations people uh, and decolonisation. I I think that's critical to be be the start of any discussion in terms of um, marginalised people and the struggles we face in Australia. Um, And it's the responsibility of all of us, particularly um, as white people. Um, and as a white person myself, that we have to be accountable to that as well. Yeah, look, totally agree um, as a white person and acknowledging my privilege and also, but do want to mention, of course, it's many things happening this week. Of course, it is National Reconciliation Week that yes. wraps up tomorrow. And, you know, I was at an event yesterday and having a chat to some Indigenous peoples and it was like, wow, it's an exhausting week, but also why isn't there National Reconciliation you know, year or um, sorry, National Reconciliation Day, three hundred and sixty-five and a quarter days a year, as there should be 
um, recognition of sex workers and you know everyone that sort of thing so important and I'm just so it's so good and refreshing to hear that awareness and empathy that this is a whole you know intersectional um, um, well I hate I don't I just don't like the word struggle but unfortunately I suppose it is you know a, 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 um, a challenge whatever you want to call it that we've got to stick together particularly in times where it seems like there is that sort of ruling elite going on. Mm. Well, I think the the only um, progress, the only real progress we make is when we do stick together. And I think particularly as marginalised communities, the challenges we face sometimes are so overwhelming that to gain ground, we have to have that solidarity. It's essential. Yep. I look, agree. Let's just have a quick bit of music. And I promised the listeners a theme today, which is to do with work. Because, of course, sex work is real work. And I will just have to bring up the next um, track from um, the one and only Huey Lewis, um, which people may know this one. And in Huey Lewis in the news, they're working for a living. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, out of the pan with Sally. 3CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the Community Radio Codes of Practice. The Codes of Practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. Hello, I'm Rory McLeod. I live in Scotland and I love radio. I can do the washing up, I could be in the garden, I could be in the car driving. Well, I'm listening to 3CR, Radical Radio, subscription radio, community radio, on 855am. We do stream at 3cr.org.au. So you can become a member and donate money. Absolutely. Please support us. And, of course, um, this show's a Radiothon show. He's in two weeks. Um... And so, yes, um, we'll be needing your support to talk more about that later on. Um, Good to have Jane Green from Vixen Collective with us on International Sex Workers Day, um, the 2nd of June every year, um, as it has been for 30 or 40 years, which is pretty cool. You know, sometimes we tend in marginalised communities, we know what the stigma is and all that sort of thing, but there have been some fighting back sort of victories that have been achieved in the last sort of few months and we wanted to mention those as well for starters. Yes, absolutely. Look, I think the last, you know, 12 to 18 months have been um, a time of remarkable successes uh, for our community. Certainly um, last year was a year of challenges, but there were challenges that were met um, and met quite well. Uh, We had the Liberals here in Victoria pass support for the um, Swedish or Nordic model at the state council. Look, it was a state council that passed a lot of motions that concerned marginalised communities, um, but the Swedish or Nordic model is a form of sex work criminalisation, so that desperately concerned our community. Um, But protest that was held by sex workers was successful in having Matthew Guy issue a statement saying it wouldn't be taken up 
um, at the level of the parliamentary party, um, cool. and that was a turnaround that happened within just a few weeks, um, and so that was very successful. Uh, we saw in May last year uh, the Victorian Labor Party add the full criminalisation of sex work to its party platform, um, and we also saw in the Victorian election last year um, a ve- very vehemently anti-sex work candidate uh, for the third time not win a seat in the seat of Richmond, and that's Kathleen Maltzen. And that is an outcome that is on the back of years and years of protest by sex workers, and I think probably the most visible protests that have ever been um, in 2018, led by sex workers with a great deal of support by allies in the community. So it was a year of very visible action by our community. Yeah, which is incredibly awesome. I mean, um, we know that many communities facing discrimination uh, don't exactly have squillions of dollars in the bank and a lot of it's done on heart and love and sweat sort of thing. So I think that deserves commendation. I mean, um, a huge effort of mobilisation. And if you don't want to to use the old um, saying, excuse the tech, um, first of all, any violence, but secondly, outdated technology. If you don't want to telegraph your punches, don't tell us. But I'm, you know, I'm, were, there, were there any sort of factors that may have worked there? So other communities might, in general terms, will say that might sort of say, oh, we, you know, if we're struggling, we could adopt these. It never hurts. Well, I mean, look, I, I will say that um, Victoria remains the only state or territory in Australia that doesn't have a funded um, community-based service uh, to support sex workers. So everything is very much done on love and sweat and. Um, very much grassroots action. So we, it's been a long-running joke that if we ever do get funding, we'll rule the universe because we've been doing it sort of on the smell of an oily rag forever. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think realistically it's, it is a many, many years of learning how to do grassroots campaigning and to not just motivate um, community members to stand up and speak out when necessary, but also to support each other as a community um, because it is... I think particularly in an election year, a very long path often where we're speaking out about our rights over uh, many, many months, and that can get um, to a point where it takes a toll. Um, And so peer support is really a necessary part of that process. And so we've learned to do that very effectively. And we actually have had, um, had people from other communities reach out and ask us how we do that because we do it well and it's recognised we do it well um, with very little resources and no funding. Very, very true. You know, there's something that struck me sometimes, you know, we, you know, it's sad that any um, group faces disadvantage or prejudice or stigma. And, in, you know, sort of um, in your case, some people might say, well, what makes you keep, well, I'll start with first doing sex work. You know, well, what are the positives? And are there any, I don't know, are there stories that perhaps have stuck with you of amazing responses in from clients, for example? Well, you'd obviously you'd share de-identified, of course, but um, you know, is there, are there been moments where you go, "Yep, this is why I do this line of work." Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I think for me personally, um, sex work is certainly not the only um, job I've ever had, or even the only career I've ever had. I've, I've People are, I think, quite aware because I've spoken about it publicly. I used to be an accountant and that was not a job I enjoyed. (laughs) Um, But I've come back to sex work time and again and I'm 16 years in now, which means I've worked in sex work for 16 years without doing anything else. Um, 
it's a job that for me provides a degree of flexibility, both in terms around managing my mental health and physical health, but also around managing other work that I do in terms of volunteer work with community um, and around family. Um, and I don't necessarily mean my blood family, but my logical family um, who are sex workers and queer community. Um, it's provided me with people in my life that I've met through sex work and through queer community who have become my family, mm. um, which is really critically important for me as someone who was raised in a fairly religious and conservative background and as a queer person um, was dislocated from family because of being queer. Um, it's a tremendously supportive environment. Um, it's a job like any other job and you can have good days and you can have bad days, but I think the stereotypes that people have about the work that people are paying for, you know, an hour's booking in which they can do anything to us um, are so false. Um, sex workers are better and more trained at maintaining boundaries because maintaining boundaries is part of our work mm -hmm. than I think many other members of the community, community are. Mm. I think um, the personal relationships I've had, I think the longest relationship I've had is about four and a half years. The client that I've been seeing the longest in August this year, I will have been seeing 18 years. Holy everything. Yeah. So I'm obviously doing something right, which yes. is nice to know, um, just, to, just in terms of being a business person, because I, yeah. as a sex worker, I am essentially a small business person. But also when you have people in your life that long, you have boundaries around them being a client. But also, you do get to know someone over 18 years. As you might, yes. Um, so I think this the ideas that people have about who we are and what we do, uh, the stereotypes need to be unpacked. It doesn't need to mean they need to build new fixed stereotypes. It means they just need to throw them away and deal with us as the diverse, complex community of individual human beings that we are. And I think that's what we need to confront and change. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, there's so, there's, there's so many things in there, you know, 18 years. I mean, that's, you know, as you say, that's good business. I grew up with parents in retail. That's excellent customer service skills. And this is where this comes back to, yes, yeah, sex work is another form of work. You know, you're opera you are running a business, so to speak, in a sense, whether you're working for someone else or you're self-employed or bits of both. Um, and I think people lose track of that amongst all those stereotypes, which I think is problematic. And also we probably will form the, I'm not a past or present worker, but we'll form the queer largely and totally ex-accountants club very soon. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yes, and yeah, well, in the from the accounting work in the male part of my life, I have finally disposed of the brown pinstripe suit. They went out to, they were in for too long. Oh, I've still got one brown suit, Sally. Oh, just one, just one. All right. Um, I feel like um, to quote the old degeneration dad quiz. Fantastic. <laughs> Most of all, um, you know, a, a group that faces stigma can't do it by its, um, do it all by itself. Allies are vital. Apart from the vital qualities of an ally being humility, sitting, um, walking beside people and basically sitting back, shutting up and listening. What? Do you want to tell people to who want to be allies now that they're listening? What are the quality, there's particular things that you need specifically for to be an ally to sex workers? Well, yeah, look, there's probably a long list, but I'll try and make it a short list. Yeah. Um, absolutely what you've already said. Um, listen. And 
um, I would suggest boost our voices, and that sounds like a quite an intangible thing, but the t- way I can make it tangible is follow sex workers on social media, particularly follow our representative orgs. Um, in Victoria, that's Vixen Collective. At a national level, it's Scarlet Alliance, which is the peak body for sex workers. Um, find us on Twitter. Um, sex workers as individuals are all over Twitter. We're a very plugged-in community. Um, retweet us and also engage us. Talk to us on Twitter. Um, if you as an individual work for an organisation, particularly if you're working for a community organisation, find out whether you have an anti-discrimination policy. Um, find out whether marginalised people, including sex workers, but also people of colour and trans people and drug users and people living with mental illness are included in that policy. If they're not, that's a problem. Um, and you need to contact the peer orgs, when peer orgs means organisations run by people from that intersection, from that marginalised community, and get training from them. Um, yeah. And the organisation that you get training in regard to sex workers is Vixen Collective here in Victoria, and we will come and do that training, and we will charge you not that much money, but enough to cover our expenses and also to help us run things like peer support for members of our community, and that helps us, and it also helps you. Um, yeah. You can also just give us money. We won't <laughs> say no. <laughs> um, and that also likes, lets us run our peer support line. Um, and provide outreach to sex workers and do things like, you know, pay for our website. So we run on nothing. Um, As I said before, we're the only place in the country that doesn't have a funded sex worker organisation, which is a great shame. And you can also help us remind the government that that's a bad thing that they should correct. Um, So there's a short list of things you could do. Yes. Well, look, if someone's um, retweeting some of your comments that you aren't funded, um, perhaps... Put in Kamish Roe Allen or uh, Martin Foley, um, yeah, Minister for Equality, some people like that, and say, hey, why doesn't Victoria have a funded peer work sex organisation? And um, given the table, as if you don't ask, you don't get, let's start getting the process for decriminalisation in Victoria going as well, but with the funding underneath so you can do the work properly um, rather than, you know, sort of, well, battle through even more. Um, Jane, yeah, and if people, if, um, if some benign millionaire does have a spare million down the back of the couch or something, they can have, well, can we split it between, well, 3CR's Radiothon, Transgender Victoria, Vixen Collective? We'll have to work that out. No, seriously. At the moment, I, I'd really like someone to just give us a building. <laughs> There's a thought, yeah. We'd take a 99-year lease and, you know, pay you a dollar rent a year or something. I, I hear people have done that before, so, you know, that's a thought, a thought to put out there. You know, look, I can get that. I mean, Transgender Victoria, um, which is obviously close to my heart, operated without an office for 14 years, and now we've got a space, and, you know, you don't... Oh, well, there's the banner. It's back at the office, not not in someone's garage or something, yeah. Yep, there's a thought. So if you've got some space for... Um, and you can do the $1 um, peppercorn lease thing, as it's called, um, for the old legal expertise. Oh, you've done law stuff as well, haven't you? Or you're just very good at it. I, I, I'm i like the, yeah, self-taught. Lawyer. People have assumed I'm a lawyer, but like in its assumption you shouldn't make and I do correct people. Like <laughs> it's purely self-taught. I've spent too much time reading like legislation. Yep. Accounting training probably comes in as well. All right. Look, Jane, I appreciate your time coming in on what is um, a very busy day um, for you. And also you've been on the job in many, many ways. So very much appreciated. Hugely important. And yeah, we'll make sure we get those ally tips out there and keep batting on um, as well and yeah we hope you have many more allies to support you thank you very much for having us 
Thanks to Jane Green from Vixen Collective for being on the program. Um, let's roll on with the work-themed music. And here's China Crisis. They're doing all sorts of work that's equally valuable. They're working with fire and steel. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Work of all sorts, so long as it's done with good heart and goodwill, it's all valuable. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Thanks very much to our guest, Jane Green from Vixen Collective, and there is a rally for International Sex Workers Day, State Library too, so if you want to be a good ally... And you can get along, rock along down there. Um, what else to cover today on the show? Um, lots to talk about, as touched on in an intersectional way during that conversation. Um, yes, National Reconciliation Week. And yeah, I was, as I just mentioned, was at an event yesterday. And thank you to Outdoors Victoria for having me at your um, annual conference. Um, absolutely um, um, beautiful reception. Um, they've realised the need to tackle diversity for people in the outdoors. Um, sometimes, and for you know, for me, close enough to outdoors, sport and exercise, it's been a challenge as a trans person. Um, in that, having spent so much time at an all boys school, um, not a good time with exercise. I will one one day if I get some time, get around to how I've recovered a sense of body and exercise. Um, but um, great that they were thinking about it, and it was very moving. There was a panel at the end of the day, um, which is what I just did a Ronnie Corbett to and went around in a big circle to on diversity, but um, the one of the board members who spoke at the end was in tears and at um, some of the outcomes, lots of good people working in the outdoors. And, of course, our original inhabitants, um, you know, well, they didn't um, start it in the outdoors. And it is National Reconciliation Week, which to come back to where I started um, talking with the um, with Sean, who chair, chaired the panel, said that, gosh, it's a busy week. And I get that, you know, where we have weeks like um, Trans Day of Visibility, Trans Day of Remembrance, International Day Against Homo by Transphobia. To some extent, it's not as busy yet, but I hope, in a way, I hope it does, or just the right amount of busyness. And that's, um, you know, around Celebrate Bisexuality Day which um, I know has come up as um, Bisexuality Month around in September and, of course, celebrate by day on the 23rd, Freddie Mercury's birthday. Um, talking, well, by people, um, Rocket Man opened up this week um, and good to see there has been acknowledgement, regardless of the label users now, acknowledging anyone's label can change over time and their sense of self, um, that it does, um, you know, Elton John did marry Renata Blau, um, was, you know, is he bi? Does he not want to use that because of stigma? I'm sure, you know, I'm not telling he has to use it. No one should tell anyone what label that they should ever use. So, yep, really important. Um, all right, what um, else to think about? Um, talking work, um, a big survey released in America about how trans and gender diverse and non-binary people are less likely to be out at work and um, because of stigma and discrimination. And that's a really difficult thing when you're trying to hide things or you, know, you don't have forms, that sort of thing. was taught. Um, one of the other trans presenters at the conference yesterday was, um, well, I got a question afterwards over lunch um, about, 
how some places will say, well, let's say they're driving someone somewhere, a male has to drive a male, a female has to drive a female. How does that hit non-binary workers? I mean, it shouldn't be that way. It should just be if the person's safe and they're working with children checked, you'd like to think so. I know in aged care training we've had, say, women say, I'll only be um, showered or something by a woman, um, which is sort of okay. There is generally more females working in aged care. What happens if you're a male? Um, do you get that choice, um, if you, even if you want it? And again, where does that leave non-binary clients and workers? Things to consider. Um, whether, regardless of your gender, um, you can be working. And let's have a listen to John Conley, um, gender-wise. He's a working man and, um, well, not a working class man, although um, Jimmy Barnes' latest album um, is um, released this week. I might have it, not got to get my hands on that. Um, but let's have a listen to John Conley in the meantime. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Guatemala, I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore Black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. On 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon till one Sunday afternoon. You could be listening to a repeat between 5am and 6am Wednesdays Australian time or Eastern Australian time, I beg your pardon. Hello to those in central and western zones. And um, you could be um, listening by podcast or on demand to the full show for a week. Getting all our working theme music for the day. Um, just run through all the tracks so far. Going backwards, we just heard from John Conley and The Working Man. We heard from China Crisis, Working with Fire and Steel. We heard from Huey Lewis in the News, Working for a Living. And we heard from Backman Turner Overdrive, Taking Care of Business. And whether you work or not, we'll have one more to take out the show very soon. Um, well, this month is a significant month, of course, as we head into June, not only because it's 3CR's Radiothon, and please donate to 3CR in particular to this show. We've got a target of $1,350 to get, so we'll start now. But of course, on June 28, 1969, 
nearly 50 years ago today, uh, well, no, Sergeant Pepper didn't teach um, anyone to play, and it wasn't play at all. It was the Stonewall riots or sometimes Stonewall uprising and Stonewall rebellion. Worth reflecting on. It was um, interesting. Um, I was having a chat to Jane in one of the breaks there, and they were saying that um, there was a um, reclaiming pride panel and you know concerns about the sort of pink dollar corporate end taking over things like pride and all that sort of stuff and think about this a lot um you know that of course the um parents of pride um was i suppose a polyamorous relationship um with people like Brenda Howard and um Marsha P Johnson and others um and acknowledging my white privilege as a people as um sorry um, to, um Marsha Johnson being a person of color who led all that stuff, and then you look at where we are now, and yeah, the rich got richer, and the poor got the picture sort of thing, and um, of course the terrible portrayal on the <clears throat> um, the Stonewall ride a few years ago, where of course they had to have a cis white gay man um, sort of at the, as the central character, because it had to be more acceptable. Um, yeah, just rewrite history, which um, can't do, and apparently the, the film wasn't that good um, from what I heard but um, probably didn't go that far because of that. And I have no sympathy for the makers. You can't do that um, as far as I'm concerned. If people know, and I mean, I'm sitting here looking at a huge Wikipedia article alone on Stonewall um, and um, sort of the whole thing. So, yeah, we've got some work to do, and this has been a bit of an ongoing theme in our community. It was very sad to see someone sent me, um, I'm not... Um, because my Facebook settings are that um, you've got to at least have one mutual friend. Someone sent me um, some posts by two uh, apparently white gay men, obviously not going to name them, making racist remarks against Penny Wong. And you just think, what on earth? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, so, um, you know, we've got some work to do to try to keep our rainbow together. And it's beginning to get harder, in my opinion. I just think there is, you know, a, um, a bit of a crack appearing. That's nothing wrong with difference. You know, we don't have to fall be sucker punched by this nonsense that's thrust on us and many other marginalised groups. Well, you don't all speak with exactly one voice to exactly one dot and comma, so we won't listen to any of you. Well, that's not accurate. But you can pretty much come back to the themes. We also have to look at what really unites us. Is it enough to be united by fear and you know anger against prejudice, what are our positive values? I think is a good thing to consider. Um, so, um, yeah, challenges ahead worth considering um, over the next month um, as part of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall celebrations. Have we lost the spirit? Have we kept it? Are we keeping pace? I mean, you know, if we kept that spirit, you know, there are new developments. The huge amount of neuro neurodiversity within communities like trans, bi, and asexual who are becoming more and more, you know, visible and predominant, is huge. And that looks at how we communicate. A lot of people with various forms of neuroprocessing don't like spin and hype. Yet we're still getting this sort of spin and hype approach that is typical, say, of nineteen eighties cisgender gay males. We're going to have to look at that too. Lots of things to consider. At the grassroots in the coming week, there are events coming up. 
um, what do we have in mind? Um, Bent TV. And, oh, yes, talking of that sort of thing, um, you can now go onto the Bent TV YouTube channel and yours truly features um, as part of a panel on lateral hostility. Um, so have a look at that, about 10 minutes or so, over your um, co- coffee break or tea or bonox or bovril. We're beverage diverse on this program. We value all forms of diversity. Um, next Saturday is Seahorse. Um, I've got a, I'm just doing a quick mental calculation. It is 24 years since I went to my first Seahorse meeting next Saturday. Um, I did go to the 20th birthday in 1995. It was the first time I'd ever truly been out, we'll say outside a private home, as remotely resembling some sort of female self. So thank you to Seahorse for getting me on my feet or heels, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, that gets us soon, of course. Please, please, please drive safely, party safely, everything safely over the Queen's birthday weekend. The roads can be slippery at the moment. We're getting some much-needed rain. So just take a bit of care, slow down. Um, do not, you you know, um, focus on the driving, I'll say. So I won't tell you what not to focus on, then you'll focus on it. Um, focus on the roads, particularly if you are heading up to the snow where it could be ultra-slippery and that sort of thing. All right, better get out of here and make way for the Fab Crew from Freedom of Species, and of course we mentioned um, drug users when chatting with Jane, and drugs comes up at 2 o'clock within Psychedelia and Queering the Air at 3, the Sunday afternoon lineup to get you through the first part of Sunday afternoon. Take it out today with our last work song, um, a bit of a classic from Bob Seger from one of my favourite live albums of all time, Live Bullet in 1975, and a Van Morrison cover. I've been working. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner, and I'll catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Thanks for listening to an out-of-the-pan summer special for the summer of 2019-2020. Out of the Pan is taking a break from the 29th of December 2019 to the 3rd of February 2020. For five of those six weeks, you'll enjoy some of the great shows from Out of the Pan for 2019. And, of course, on the 26th of January, the airwaves will rightfully belong to our First Nations broadcasters. I'll be back with you on the 10th of February. Have a safe and happy summer to all the 3CR listeners, and thanks for supporting 3CR and Out of the Pan. You're listening to 3CR's Summer Pro.